granddad business with Aaron Caliber. That's my dad. Hello, underpants. That is hilarious. Just your mouth do. Rate and review this podcast while my daddy will go into a deep depression. <laughs> Welcome to Grown Dad Business. This is Aaron Kleiber. Um, so today I have a great beginning of a two-part podcast with legendary comedian, comedy club booker, Eddie Brill. Um, Eddie Brill worked on The Late Show with David Letterman as an audience warm-up for uh, a long time. Um, and for about 17 years, he worked for The Letterman Show and uh, he was the stand-up booker for 11 years at the Letterman Show. Uh, really cool. He runs the um, Great American Comedy Festival in Johnny Carson's hometown. It's really the, the Johnny Carson Great American Comedy Festival. And uh, we kind of broke it into two parts because there's so much to get into. Just, I mean, talking about his comedy career and growing up as, you know, a, a big brother raising, you know, multiple siblings. And uh, it's just, it's really a like it's it's really awesome talking to these you know comedians who have been around for so long and have seen so many things in their their life and comedy uh and their family affecting their their career is just fascinating to listen to and also we talk about him meeting his son for the first time when he was 13 years old not Eddie but his son was 13 he didn't know he had a son it's just amazing but it's a it's a pretty cool episode um so you know, stick around, wait for next week for the second part, and uh, it's 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 a pretty awesome. I had an amazing experience talking to Eddie Brill, but um, anywho, uh, if you're listening, um, this weekend, yeah, this weekend I am in Houston, Houston, Texas, with my friend Harlan Williams at the Houston Improv, and then um, March 14th and 15th I'll be in Austin, Texas. Uh, might be doing some shows uh, on the 14th, Monday the 14th and the 15th in Austin, Texas during South by Southwest. And then uh, I will be at the Tulsa Looney Bin March 16th through the 19th. And then, you know, I got some uh, some shows in Pittsburgh. March 24th, I'm on my friend Matt Light's show, Lights Out at the Pittsburgh Improv. And then I have Comic Wars March 26th at Arcade Comedy Theater. And, uh, you know, you can, you know, you know what to do, guys. Come on. You're grownups here. You can, you know how to go on the internet and go to AaronClubber.com and see what's cracking. Uh, but anywho, uh, oh, and also my movie review podcast with my friend Sean Collier, movie critic, legitimate movie critic and comedian Sean Collier. You can't handle the truth. Handle the truth podcast.com. And uh quick shout out to my sponsor. Uh, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, it's not my sponsor. It is my sponsor because it's my friend and my sponsor. Well, he's my friend now because I love his product. It's goodsandevil.com. Amazing movie horror nerd shirts. Also has a line of vegan shirts. If you're into that, I'm into meat, but some people aren't. And if you're not into meat, they have some awesome vegan goods at goodsandevil.com. So check those guys out. But with further ado, is that what you're supposed to say? With a uh, with on further ado on giving adieus further it's my friend eddie brill 
Boom. Welcome to Grown Dad Business. Hi, it's me, Aaron Kleiber. Uh, I have a really fun guest today. I'm very excited to have um, just really, I mean, you know, you can't look somebody in the eye and be like, it's a legend of comedy. And You can't look me in the eye. But really, I mean, you know, when you really look at what uh, this guest has done, I mean, you really have helped really move comedy along uh, in history. It's Eddie Brill, guys. Uh, say hello to Eddie Brill. Yeah. yeah. People are actually saying hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah. They do. They do, like from their car. Yeah. Uh, hello. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Eddie Brill has been doing stand-up how long? A long time. You know, I started in the 70s, late 70s in college, and then I quit in 1980, and then I started again in 84. So in a row, it's almost 32 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, in a row. But I, I, I had done it a handful of times while I was in college. I started a comedy group in college. Yeah, and one of our friends in college was Stephen Wright. Yeah, and he was doing stand up, and we would go watch him. And then we tried it, the bunch of us in the comedy world, and yeah. uh, and we liked it, but we weren't as good as him. He was really great, yeah. great, great. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like, um, I, I looked you up. I did research because this is a professional show. Yeah, I could tell. Uh, <laughs> No, think. like, uh, it, also, I mean, you were the stand-up booker and warm-up on David Letterman's Late Show. Yeah, I, would, I worked there for 17 years. I booked for 11. Wow. But I've been booking comedy in some fashion for over 30 years. I started a comedy club in New York, and I would book it yeah. and ran it as a comic, and I made it very comic-friendly. I paid very well. I yeah. made sure that the comics were treated really well. Yeah. And I also like built a room for comics to hang right. out in. And then, you know, it's just my whole life I've fought for comedians behind the scenes. Yeah, and that's uh yeah, and, and now you do work with the Great American Comedy Festival. Yes. Uh that's the basically the Carson Comedy Festival kind yeah. of right. It's I've been again uh you know, behind the scenes, I worked with the Aspen Comedy Festival, the Dallas Comedy Festival, right. the Vancouver Comedy Festival, and the Woodstock Comedy Festival. I've helped wow. a lot of festivals get off the ground yeah. and be there. Um, I wanted to run a comedy festival that would honor Johnny Carson, right? but at the same time, really be incredible to comedians. You don't charge them for submitting in fact, you don't really submit like with you or with anybody. People say, "Well, I recommend this comedian," right? And that's yeah. how the the best comics in the world are usually gotten from right. the other great comedians, and also the best club bookers. And there are lots of them, despite yeah. what people think. Will tell me, "Hey, I'm going to put a showcase together. I'm going to give you twelve of the best people who've come through my room." Right? So yeah, I and a, a and, good- and some festivals work like that too, where it's. You know, uh, we are sitting here at the uh, San Luis Obispo Festival. Yes. And, you know, I've, I've had comedian and industry friends say, you should do that festival. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you know you'll, 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 you'll get in. Yes. You, you know, not, not, it's not shady. No, com- not at all. Comedians listening. But it's, you know, it, it definitely ensures them that they get a good crop of comedians. Yeah, I've enjoyed, festival. you know, I see so much comedy. And sometimes too much, and you just, you know, unless it's Bob Newhart or yeah. some show that I want to see, um, I, you know, I don't, I, it's like I can't sit through every comedian, but right. I've really enjoyed the shows here because there's so many great comedians and oh, yeah. a lot of comedians I've never seen before. Yeah, it's fun too because when, uh, for me, you know, when you see, when you come to a festival like this, you come and see a bunch of comedians that are on your level some, it's some, yeah. some way. So it's like, oh my gosh, there's no, 
open micers here complaining like or well there's we're all still complaining and, yeah of course but it's <laughs> like it's like oh whoa we're all going through the same thing yeah you know what i mean it's yes. like a, it's like a recovery group like we're all here together like yeah and i think that's good for you us can't get comedians. that show either me neither <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's fun yeah. no i i i am i immediately found it really interesting that you have this history of kind of trying to essentially what you're saying with that club in new york and like the festivals and it's it's kind of close to my heart is that you um I, i'm from pittsburgh nice. and uh i also am like a dad comedian right uh, i mean hello this is the name of the podcast because i have three kids <laughs> hello. but hello yeah i mean people people are like call, kind of call me like the dad of pittsburgh comedy and things and i come from a counseling and ministry background mm-hmm. so it really it, it really resonated with me that you kind of created things for comedians you know yeah. like you you started like a school or something well it was there's was some stuff i read yeah well i went to emerson college yeah. and we formed a comedy group and there was a lot of very good uh improv comedy actors right. who became great comedians right in that group and before us there were a lot of great comedians like andrea martin and jay leno and on and on norman lear right in, in production wise and then after and then but there wasn't really a comedy. You didn't go there for comedy. Right. So we created uh, – Norman Lear had uh, – I had met him, talked to him about our comedy group. Yeah. He said, hey, what do you guys need? I told him what we needed. He came up with the money. The school matched it. And we had a comedy program it's at amazing. the school, which was great. Right. And then guys like Bill Burr, who's I think one of the greatest comics on the planet, and oh, David Cross. favorite. And Laura current, Keitlinger. Yeah. And Jennifer Coolidge. And on and on. All these incredible co- yeah. people started coming to Emerson College right. to – Study comedy, and now th- this year there's a major. There. There's a major in comedy there. It's now. crazy. So it's pretty cool to look back to when I met Norman Lear. I guess 1978. Yeah, and and so I recently saw him for the first time since then, and had breakfast with him. And I said, you know, what we did a long time ago is paid off in a really great way. And he went, I don't even remember that. He said, but I'm glad that I'm yeah, I it's, part of it. it. It is kind of fun, and I, I you know, I'm just. Because we're talking about this, I never want to, like, say, you know, because when I started comedy in Pittsburgh, there wasn't much going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, now seven years later, we have, you know, I'm on the board of, of a comedy theater that's, you know, arcade comedy theater that I always talk about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because it's one of, it's it's kind of like my home club. I mean, the and Pittsburgh where is Improv. It in Pittsburgh is area? My, yeah, the, yeah, it's downtown Pittsburgh. Right. Arcade comedy theater. You know, I'm on the, I'm on the, you know, I'm on the leadership board and, you know, I, I book all the stand up there. And so seven years later from when I started, we have a black box comedy theater that have classes. I just had Todd Glass there and Dean Del Rey. And, you know, I get my friends to come in to play this little black box comedy theater that never exists. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. Yeah. Well, that's what's great about the arts. You create something from nothing. You'd have a blank canvas and you create it. A lot of people paint by numbers. The, The biggest group of people paint by numbers they do what's been done before right exactly and they're just filling in the same colors that that's right, already right. in the slots but when you create something that's brand new you know, from a blank canvas right. and all of a sudden you see it come to fruition it's very very rewarding yeah and it's it's just neat to see that like from when i started you know i was like well there's not much time to get up and i want to get better right that's so the I only s- way to get better yeah. so i started two mics like that that's like the way six to do months it. in and started a showcase at the improv and you know and then you know a couple you know arcades been going on for three years and when they started that I, my whole background's in improv so yeah. all my improviser friends were like um well we're opening a comedy theater you're our stand-up guy ah. you know so and now we have classes and 
you know, and, and there's other classes going on in town. And you know what's interesting about classes is in acting, classes are very important. Show yeah. workshops, uh, you know, um, I was just, uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman is an example, but I was trying to think of uh, who plays, <laughs> I can't believe I can't think of his name. He plays the president in uh, on Netflix on the Kevin show. Kevin Spacey. Thank you. Yeah. You know, um, and he was just talking in England, had a big chat about the workshops and the yeah. theaters that he's done. Now, stand-up comedy, a lot of people are like, hey, you can't teach comedy. Don't tell me, yeah. you know, I'm not taking a fucking class from someone who's <laughs> a, you know, somebody who's a right. beginner. But I, and I believe that. I believe that you can't, uh, you can't, yeah. Fucking and, well, comedy. And, and we all know some stand-ups have ruined it. Yeah, for you know, but that's but every, everything. Yeah, some you know, yeah, every, guys who sell sausages and University carts of Phoenix. have ruined it Hello. for other carts, yeah. uh, sausage guys because yeah. they have shitty sausages. <laughs> but um, but there are incredible workshops, and I'm yeah. I've been doing one for like 19 yeah. years all around the world. I'm very proud of it, and I've grown doing it, yeah. and and I have a lot of people doing. It, but everyone thinks, well, it's only for for young comics, and right. only young comics are going to be foolish enough. Or even some people have said, well, you book Letterman, and these people are taking these workshops to try to get on Letterman right. and first of all people who were yeah I would tell people at the beginning of every workshop this is not a Letterman audition this right. is a different game a different fun day and all this kind of stuff well anyway the best workshops I've ever done the best one I've ever done was in San Francisco mm-hmm. with all the, the classic comics who've been doing it 18 years oh. and up we everyone just traded ideas with each other we it's were great. each other's eyes and ears yeah and I think that I believe that that's really important for comics yeah. to be able to like last night, I saw a bunch of great comics. I saw yeah. Chris Fairbanks for the first time, really oh saw him. Oh, my gosh. I love that And guy. he l- made me laugh. And yeah. Sam Tripoli, who I've seen since he's very young, because yeah. he, I met him through my son, speaking of children. And, you know, he, he was inspirational last night. Yeah. For me, I, you know, I love stand-up I, more than any job I've ever done. Yeah. And to be here and to have to bring your game up to match all these great comics. Then I see these young guys come up, and they're just talking from the heart, and just they just give it their all and i'm like okay i it, it inspires me as well yeah yeah it's fun it's just it's fun that process and i and i like that about you that you know because like i was saying about pittsburgh it's like now this year we're gonna have two comedy festivals it's great and you know uh just there's i mean you know when i go around the country and say oh you're from pittsburgh you know and i'm like how's the scene and i'm like well we got 14 mics a week that's great you know and and it's exciting that that you know, if, if I had anything to do with that, sure, whatever. But it's exciting too to like Not just whatever. I mean, you know, somebody yeah. has to be there to do that and yeah, to start and, that and making it a priority to like make it a community. You yeah. know what I mean? And that like, you know, people talk about rivalries between standups. There's different clans of sharks and jets. Yeah. in different cities. I'm, and I'm sure like, there are, but that, I'm like, that, no, that doesn't matter at all. That's, we all hang out. Yeah. Like we That's what's great about this festival. We're all hanging out together. Yeah. We're all sitting around. Well, you know, the Pittsburgh scene, we all, we all get along. We all put each other on shows. And there's stand-ups taking improv classes and improvisers taking stand-up classes. I'm going to Orlando, and I'm going to do an, uh, a workshop with comics. I'm going to do a workshop with uh, improv people. Yeah. I it's, love Pittsburgh. I don't know. Did I tell you that? I might have told you yesterday. I For some reason, my younger brothers, they were – um, their era of sports invincibility was the 70s. I hear so that a lot. they yeah. 
they didn't. They lived in Florida at the time, uh-huh. and they didn't really. There was no teams. The Dolphins had won right. when they were too young, and so the Steelers and the Pirates are really big. Right. For me, Clemente is my all-time hero. Yeah. So we've always had a Pittsburgh affinity. You know, there's three cities in America that people shit on, which are three of the greatest cities in America. It's Cleveland, Milwaukee, and Pittsburgh. Thank and they say, you. I know. Yeah. The, those three great clubs, great music, great yep. people, food, incredible food. Oh, we have everybody from europe making all their food oh, and pittsburgh is great and i i you know i just did the josh gibson uh yeah benefit down there and for me i just love pittsburgh and that's where we met originally yeah from benefit where there was more comedians than uh, audience <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. but anyway so the fact that pittsburgh is an art artistic scene there's a yeah. big artist scene and thank god you created this uh, thing so be proud <laughs> well, of it's, it it's you know and uh I, I go all around the country and people are always like i hate when people are like oh you're from pittsburgh sorry yeah right oh that old steel town and i'm like and and (laughs) what i'm trying to say is i think the arts and entertainment and comedy booming in pittsburgh says a lot about its progression because i think what i see happening now you know i tell people i'm like well actually we're getting one of the only facebook headquarters in the world in pittsburgh because of Carnegie Mellon, we right. also have one of the few Google headquarters in the world. Interesting. We now, yeah, because well, the three Carne- incredible bridges. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, uh, a billion bridges, three rivers. You know, right. but that's what I meant. Three. Yeah, rivers. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but now we have like healthcare, and you know, we have information technology, and Pittsburgh's like, the new Canada. Yeah, dude. People are calling us, you know, the new Austin, the new Portland, new San yeah. Francisco. Austin is an incredible city. Oh yeah, in so many ways. I'm going and in a week. Yeah. Can't wait. Oh, it's the greatest. Um, great clubs, great people. Yeah, smart thinking. But that's great you know, music. it's just saying that like, you know, no, this is what's happening there now. And yeah. I think that the boom of comedy, I explain to people, it's because of these jobs in healthcare and the medical field, and also the the young people coming in from all around the world. Uh, going to Carnegie Mellon University and working for Google and Facebook and all these information technologies, it's young, smart people. Young, yeah. smart people love arts. Yes. They do. Yeah, You know, pe- everyone loves art. Yeah. But the people who can appreciate stand-up in its purest form yeah. are mostly the smartest. The smartest people I know mostly are comedians. Right. Which is interesting or and yeah. shyest yeah. and yeah, that kind of thing. But we, I do think of it as as a, a huge group, like a fraternity sorority of, yeah. of people who, you know, like I see a comic who's young and is really. We were talking last night about this woman in who's like twenty two in L.A. I've never seen her, and her name starts with M, like Malcolm McDowell, kind of a name, some yeah, young yeah. girl. And I was saying, you know. They said, this person has it, and she doesn't even know she has it yet. Mm, yeah. And I say, well, you go up to her, and you let her know and, and help her along. Yes. And they were saying, yeah, that's what we do. We constantly – that's what we do for comedians. We, we, you know, it's not a jealousy game. The people are jealous. It's going to be like that at any job. Yeah, you can't be. Yeah, like the sausage guy. He's, you yeah, know, right. he's all like, hey, that guy has a bigger line at yeah, his yeah. sausage stand. Uh, it doesn't really matter. There are a lot of people who are famous who aren't really that talented. There's a lot of people who are very talented and not that famous. And you can't worry about any of that stuff. You just focus on being the best you can be. Yeah. I, I You know, it, people always ask like, oh, well, I want to do this. And I do want that. a sausage now for some reason. Yeah, I know. We had yeah. good sausage yesterday, yesterday at the cookout. Yeah. It was pretty good. And I'm a vegan and I ate it. That's how good it was. <laughs> yeah. It's true. But anyway, you were about to say. No, I, I think it's um, – What? 
What were, what did we were you talking say? Oh, before that about helping young people and oh uh, yeah 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 I always tell young comics because they're always like oh you helped me about with Kevin Spacey I had to help you with yeah that yeah one. yeah like okay. uh, people are like you know oh like what do I do blah 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 I just had this conversation outside with a bunch of comics you know I, I'm trying to get to know these people and network and blah blah I said you know look I said just the, my advice now is just broken down to be kind and be funny yeah and I always say that at the end of this podcast and I'm like look just be a good person say please thank you. You know, be a good person or like, you know, be a good dude, be a good lady. Yeah. And then go be funny. Right. Just be funny. And people will find you. If you're really funny, people yeah. will find you. I, people try to find angles. And sure, there's there, – the, you, you, you know, like you would say, there is business in networking. Yes. Sure. That's part of – it's your business. I understand it. But at the end of the day, if, if you're a decent person to people around you – and you do your job on the mic, yeah. would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. And there are gonna, you could be the nicest person in the world, and people are going to hate you for the, because of they, they hate themselves. Yeah. So they project that onto you. And you can't worry about that. You know, yeah. I used to want to be loved. That was, that's one of the great oh. reasons I do comedy. Yeah, me you too, know, you just wanna, we, you know, We're fucked up people, the comics, and yeah. we want to be loved. And, and then, you know, and throughout my life, I've been booking different comedy things, and there are people who hate me, and they don't really know me, don't know that all I've done my whole life is work for the comedy industry to try to make it better uh, but you hear that I, pittsburgh comedy yeah but <laughs> but here's the thing you have to just be satisfied for yourself with it and you put up with the naysayers because they're going to say nay yeah that's what naysayers do yeah. and uh so you just don't worry about how other people feel you be a nice person and just but work hard yeah you, you know ply put you put the work hard i was gonna say ply and craft in a sentence yeah, yeah. but i couldn't figure it how to put them together but you get it put the plywood together yeah put on the, the plywood on, you know, on your craft uh, bo uh motor boat <laughs> um but anyway you know what i'm saying uh yeah. just work your ass off and that's what yeah. i do i i've been doing this comedy like i said almost 32 years in a row and it's still exciting i'm still high from last night the two shows that we did and the beers we drank i know that's yeah. fun yeah. oh my gosh um so it's it's i love to hear that I, I really do it's just it's really valuable to hear that stuff and i think a lot of people that listen is it's it's really valuable cool thing to hear um the key is is it's about letting go and getting out of your head mm. because if you think if you watch nina simone and i always use her mm. as an example and it's funny because she gets there's a lot of press about nina simone these days for good reason yeah the great documentary by liz garbus and now there's a new film coming out another film uh, yeah. a, a Nina Simone film but when you watch her sing she's just it's coming from her spirituality and her body and I know it sounds corny but it just comes yeah. from her soul right and then you watch Celine Dion who has an equally beautiful voice and it's all in her head and it's very like I said earlier paint by numbers where you know it, there's right. no real soul to it and then when I see comedians you could tell when someone's up there just just letting it go. Right. And then, like I said, there are people I watch Netflix half hour, hour specials where it's just people are painting by numbers and mm. there's no soul to it. But they might have a look or they might have a kind of a style that's sellable. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. And, <laughs> and again, I don't root against these people. Right. I just notice that it's never going to get me up off my chair or mm. get me to sit and watch for an hour. Right. But last night I saw. And this whole weekend, I've seen, you know, 10 or 12 people that have made me, you know, just like, oh, my God, this is what comedy is all about. <laughs> That's exciting. Awesome. Um, so, uh, I, you know, this is the Grown Dad Business Podcast, right. and I wanna let, I'm going to back it up. All right. I'm growing. I'm a dad. Yeah. I, it's, it's so knowing about how you are, like, professionally, and, you know, it's, it's interesting to see where that came from. You know what I mean? Um, so where... 
tell me about you. You grew up in New York. Yeah, I was and born in New York. Florida. I moved to Florida when I was just about twelve. My parents got divorced. Um, they, my mom remarried, and we moved to Florida from there. Okay. And my sister and I went with my mom and my stepfather, and then the, my mom had three kids with him. Wow. And my parents, you know, they're they were. My dad's not around. My mom's still around. My mom's yeah. the funniest person I know. Oh. She still is hilarious, and it's the she's the major influence in my life in the arts because yeah. my father worked all the time because we were very very poor family and she took care of me and instead of paying for babysitters she would take me to concerts and broadway plays with oh wow and you know, movies all the time and we yeah. always laugh together and watch comedy together yeah and we still do you know to this yeah. day it's still really great so she's influenced and one of the moments that i'll never forget and i've talked about this before on podcasts is that my parents were going to see buddy hackett who was my father's favorite comic yeah. and me and my, my sister and i were in the hotel room with the babysitter in las vegas and they came up the stairs and through the door laughing which was real and to see them laughing you it's yeah. like it was so fulfilling but here's the interesting part they had to see they saw the show they laughed their ass off they got the bill they paid it they went through the lobby of the hotel they went up the up the elevator and through the door and they were still laughing wow and I always wanted to make them laugh, and to because they were always at odds. They were young kids, yeah. And to, when I would make them laugh, it, they were they seemed like they were warmer and more human, right? So that to me always was okay. If I can be funny like that, right, that would mean a lot to yeah, me. Yeah, that's uh, I can I can definitely relate to a lot of that. I mean, my mom. We, we, you know, I told you earlier, like I come from a domestic violence background right. and just a, a rough childhood and then got out of that about nine or 10 years old. And my mom was always still positive for us, mm. you know, and I know my, she was going through a lot of pain, but to us, she was still fun and, you know, silly. And to this day, my mom is still, you know, she's now like, does like, you know, women's church groups, but then will still like in my ear, be like, oh, that piece of shit. Yeah. Like, and say, of course. Like, she's going to get mad because I said that. Yeah. Like, she's like, don't you tell people I don't. And then she'll say, she'll, don't you tell people. And then you little pissing off. Yeah, but she probably your- loves it. You know, the thing is, is that you, you, we're stronger because of who our parents are yes. or weaker because of who our parents yes. are. And we want them to be right and we want to look up to them. And we don't want, we want them to show their vulnerability as well as their strength yeah. because then we do the same thing. And I think that's why you become an artist because, you know, I've had arguments with a few people about this, but most people agree that vulnerability is strength and um, the sort of machismo is... Transparency. Yes, transparency is the best. But that sort of macho insecurity, that's... That's that's with the sadness. That's where right. sadness mostly the realm of sadness. So when you have a, a interesting situation, not always great, like divorces right. or you know uh, domestic violence, it's gonna you're gonna see stuff on both ends of the spectrum, right? And you're gonna try to find your peace within that spectrum. Yeah, and I and I love that my uh, like you said about your your parents taking you to different like you know entertainment things and mm-hmm. and i remember my mom pretty much filled me with movies and music yeah. and you know because we were kind of latchkey kids i mean you know after leaving our stepdad you know my stepdad like my mom worked two jobs she worked her ass off yeah. so we were kind of me and my sister and i were latchkey kids and why i early on fell in love with filmmaking you know i mean i just watched everything my other podcast is a movie podcast mm-hmm. 
That's so great. Yeah, you can't handle the truth. Movie po- movie review podcast. What's your favorite movie? Can you have you, my favorite you movie of all time? Yeah, Goodfellas. That's great. Favorite Mine's of all time. Uh, Cinema Paradiso. Oh, yeah. and I love movies, and it's hard to make a top ten list, but that's I can good pick, pick Cinema Paradiso. It's just a, it's about film. It's yes, a, it's a film the about love of film, film and love and love of film. Wow, good yeah. pick. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, so uh, I'm a film. I was a kid. I want. I went to every movie that I can go to. Yep. Uh, my Me mom too. when I we moved to Florida. The, my parents, my mom, and my stepfather were so in love. They spent a lot of time together. Yeah. So I wasn't going with my mom all the time to the movies. Right. So I would go by myself, and I would even go to theaters and beg people to bring me in as their guardian, so I can see movies like Mean Streets and other R-rated movies. And then I just said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna. I got a job at a movie theater, and so I can see every yeah. movie in town. I'm a movie, you know, crazed nut. Oh yeah, that's all I do on the road. Yeah, that's all I do. I mean, well, besides the movie review podcast, because my my partner is the Pittsburgh movie guy. Ah. Like he's the critic. He does movie. He does radio, TV, and he's also like my one of my openers. <laughs> like that's great. He's hel- a great smart comic, and um, but but I did the same thing similarly. Yeah, we're making up words and yeah, similarly. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, but I was you know I was in the VHS era where right. it was just like my mom's working we would go grocery shopping stop at a spot five movies five days five dollars mm-hmm. and i would I, I remember going through just picking like you know i've said this a hundred times on the movie podcast so if people are dual listeners i apologize <laughs> but it's just i remember being like 11 being like picking like drama comedy animated right. you know action and and my mom's like why did you rent dangerous liaisons yeah <laughs> like because i want to see uma thurman <laughs> i didn't know i had no idea i'm no. like it was michelle pfeiffer's in that too or something oh, I know. and i'm like i don't know that's the chick from scarface and i like uh, her. like you know what i mean you know what one of my favorite michelle pfeiffer films is it has rutger hauer and has matthew broderick do you know what i'm talking about uh, I can picture it's Lady so, Hawk with a yeah, Lady the Hawk. Oh my god, that's gosh. one of the most brilliant films ever. One of the oh greatest gosh. stories ever, Lady and Hawk. very under underrated. And yes. you know, but three incredible actors. Oh, I gotta watch that time. again. Yeah, uh, but that's where I was, and my mom really embraced. Uh, she knew I needed an escape, right? And her growing up, going through abuse, right. uh, yeah, twice she went through it. For God's <laughs> sakes, right. Um, it's and sometimes per- people find love in abuse because that's how well, you were loved by your yeah. parents. So then you search yes. out for that and you yep. think you deserve it. And that's why the message it's has to be clear terrible that you don't cycle. deserve it. And yeah, it is. Yeah. But but my mom grew up as like a, a cool, fun little hippie chick l- just obsessed with music. So she understood an escape in the arts. Yes. You know, and so her just being like, of course, you can buy comic books. Of course, you can rent any movie you want. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and my mom handing me a Scorpions. Uh, tape, yeah, that's pretty handing good. Handing me ACDC, like getting me ACDC back in black for my 10th birthday. Uh, she's hip. You know, so cool. Yeah. Like her record collection. She took My mom took me to see Ike and Tina Turner, which today is still one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen. Wow. I've seen a lot of great concerts. So yeah. Queen and Thin Lizzy together. That oh was incredible. Oh, my God. Incredible. I can't handle that. I, but Queen is one of my all-time favorites. And they were incredible live. <sighs> and I'm, I'm 57 now. So in 1976... I graduated high school in that part of the '70s. Queen was really at the, the, oh. the, you know, the form. And then when I went to college, like I guess it was '77, I I went to see Queen and Thin Lizzy, two of the greatest guitar players of all time, yes. Steve Moore and Brian May, in the wow. same building. Um, but anyway, so music is so important. And around my house, there was always music going yes. on. We were singing, we were dancing. You know, one of the things about the Letterman show is the comedians got to choose the song they came out to. Oh, cool! And mo- the other guests didn't. Um, 
They could have, but they mostly Paul was so brilliant and he would pick something yeah. that had to relate to the movie that the guest was plugging or right. something about the guest. But the comedians would pick the song. And, um, and I, you kind of understand that. Yeah, and it was great because sometimes it would be the theme. Like I talk, I did one set all about lying and I had lies by the Knickerbockers. Um, okay. I have write some music and I had them play one of my songs to come out to, which was really <laughs> so surreal. Oh, I didn't wow. hear it because I was so into like nervous and yeah. let's get this down. But I played a couple of... Uh, had them play a couple of times songs that my mom and I grew up dancing to. Oh, wow. Like Barbara George, I Know, I Know, I Know, You Don't yeah. Love Me No More. And I play, I had the band play that, and they loved, it was a great old song. But my mom was just like so touched. She said, that's our song from wow. when we were, you know, growing up. And then We Used to Love Me Tomorrow and, you know, all that. Anyway, music is so important. And yeah, comedy I- is very musical. Comedy oh, yeah. is the same rhythms, the same mathematical rhythms as comedy, as music. I agree. Yeah. I always say, like, uh, you know, I, I've done musicals in high school and stuff, but right. I can beatbox, I can dance, <laughs> and I understand rhythm. And then when you start doing stand-up or any kind of comedy, you you feel that rhythm pretty easily. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's 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 really fun. But, yeah, that I mean, man, the arts is just uh, being able to live in that world, you know, and just mm-hmm. go somewhere else. I think my mom understood that. And and it's neat that your parents kind of understood the joy that that brings. Yes. And yeah, we do the same thing now. We play music in our house. You know, my kids are, you know, we talk about movies and play movies and, you know, and it's uh, it's so fun, you know. And so important to pass it on. Yeah. So like from 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 what it sounds like, your parents were pretty fun and supportive and loving people. Yeah. Uh, my my mom more than my dad at the time when we were when we were young because he was always working. He was too young to really you know want to be a parent i think and he wasn't really around that much but we got very close before he died which was really cool that that worked out for me but my mom has always been supportive then she met my stepfather and fell in love and we moved to florida and they had three kids right away and that was you know really fun and really cool and how old how old were you when they got married and had kids um it was 1970 so i had i was 11 about to be 12 later that year so my first the twins were born in 1971. Twins, and then you're my, a middle school boy with twins. Yeah, twin brothers. And then my <laughs> then they they had another kid in 1974. Now in 1974, when my brother was born, my stepfather got cancer. Oh wow! And so he was just the baby was just born, David. And then mm-hmm. so the twins were three, and the little baby was just born. And my sister, who was still around, was I guess. 11 and I was 15. Yeah. So all of a sudden my stepfather gets cancer. He has to go to the hospital and he lived there pretty much for a year with cancer and, you know, back and forth to the house, but mostly in the hospital. And my mom was always with him. So now all of a sudden I'm the parent, I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. And I'm raising the kids and I have to raise all the kids together. So now, you know, my little, my, and then my stepfather died in 1975, like a year later. Wow. So to my littlest brother, I'm really the only father figure that he really knew. Wow. You know, there were other men that came along that sure. were really terrific in his life. But, you know, to me, the little one, he's almost like my son Wow, more than anything. All the, the kids are like my son. And I've actually had to separate myself and say, look, I'm, I have to tell myself, look, I can't be their father. I'm their brother and I have to be their fun brother and not right. – I have to f- catch myself every once in a while from – to stop trying to be a parent, but I raise them and I have that sort of instinct with them. Right. And but I've turned them onto music and film. Right. And my brothers are musical and uh, and love movies and yeah. and intensely in so the that, arts. And, and so that did kind of. I did that. That did that play a part. I mean, when your stepfather passed away, 
you know, it's like you kind of still had that foundation of their kind of fun love and they really you know, love for other. the arts and it was so. Great. It, it, did that kind of help you guys keep to keep it together and have fun and? Yeah, I think so. I think that the great thing about my family is a lot of love in it. As dysfunctional as every family is, and mine is completely dysfunctional. Yeah. A lot of yelling and screaming and uh, mixed religions sure. and and uh, <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff. But we definitely have or had an incredible love that we still carry on today. We care for each other, and right. it's very, very deep. And we've been through hell because I've lost a sister. My sister died oh. young at 34, and then wow. one of the twins died. Oh, my gosh. 35, and this was only a few years ago. And um, so we've really gotten even tighter through the grief that comes with that kind of stuff. Sure. And then again, how do you laugh? You have to, how do you continue going on? Well, you got to laugh. You got to continue doing the arts. You got to continue. Right. You'll never get over stuff, but you will be able to live and live in the spirit of those people. First time I did Letterman as a guest, as a comic, my sister had just died and I was like, Jeez. oh, I wish she was here to see this. But I brought her on stage with me in a sense right. when I first did the, the show. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, you can get through this tough life. You can either play the victim, which is yeah. very easy to do, and I did that a lot of my life, but I won't do that anymore. I won't allow myself to play the victim. Instead, I yeah. decided that I'm, you know, going to make myself have an incredible life in the time that we have together. Right. Wow. All right. So that is part one of my podcast with Eddie Brill. Return next week, guys. Because the podcast will return with part two of Eddie Brill, getting more into his family life and uh, more comedy stuff. Really exciting. Thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks for being my friend, guys. So get back into Grown Dad Business next week for part two of Eddie Brill. Be kind and be funny.